Well, hello and welcome to the Reconstructionist Podcast, where we help you reconstruct while you deconstruct so you don't self-destruct. So this week, I am so excited to have Kim Rand back, and I'm excited to have Clark along with her. Kim and Clark are a couple in ministry that I really look up to. Um, I love the way they lead together. I love their insight, um, and I honestly just personally love talking with them. They are some of my favorite people to get on a phone call with and chat with. Um, and, and this week we just talk about their experience with, with women in ministry leading together and, and church. And, and, and we get, uh, we get real about some of the stuff that they faced and, 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 and how hard it's been. Um, and, and we also try to get practical as to like, what is going on? Why do people feel this way? Um, why why we personally both don't agree uh with the more complementarian side of a view of women in the church and, and and how we wrestle with that but then also like if even if you are um a, a complementarian um we we invite you to come come and hear our our side of things and, and just here's chat and, and i want to just like tell you please don't just shut this off because we're saying an opinion that you might not agree with um Come and just listen to us, hear our perspective, and and, and at the very least, um, you'll be able to just hear and learn a little bit more about just a different part of the body of Christ, uh, because this, this is a great issue. It's not a black and white issue. It's not an issue to to divide over. Um, it's it, it's one of those gray issues that that can be debated either way. And and we as Christians need to need to start looking at what we have more in common and how we can love each other instead of how we can divide. And so we 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 dive into that a little bit together uh, uh, about um, some of the more unloving things that have happened and and how we can be more loving and and maybe how um, we can treat women better just in general in the church. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation I had with Kim and Clark. Well, hello, Kim and Clark. How are you guys? Uh, good. So good. How are you? So good. Oh, I'm good. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation because I think it's super important. And I know that for both of you, it's something that's been really real, uh, but also something that I think your guys' both your voices on are super helpful. But before we dive into it, can you just give our listeners just a quick update? Like for those who don't know who you are and are maybe listening for the first time, like who you guys are, um, what you've been up to and what life's been like for you guys recently. Yeah, well, I'm Kim and uh, I'm married to... Clark, who's here with me today. I think I've had a chance to talk to you on my own before, but now mm -hmm. I got my sidekick. So this is kind of fun. <laughs> and uh, we live in Abbotsford, BC. We've actually done ministry together for mm. just over 13 years, like full-time ministry. And in, I think almost all of those years, we either shared an office or had offices right next door to each other. Yeah. So we wow. like literally have been like with each other, She's obsessed with me. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah. It's the real I just won't let him get away. It's the real reason why I resigned last fall is I just needed a little bit of space. <laughs> hey. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, yeah, that's, really that's true though. We've, uh, ministry-wise, for like, uh, for a while, like a, almost like a decade and a half. Yeah. And all together. And, yeah. uh, you know, drive to work together, uh, come back from work together. Um, 
as happy on the way home as we were when we drove in, which is always which most, is, of most, most of the time, <laughs> uh, which is, which is, which is, uh, special. And yeah, you've yeah. been here, you know, a, a part of the podcast before and, uh, and I get to jump in and, and join you this time. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a joy to be able to be here and get a chance to, to hang out with you yeah, guys. And so together we have our son AO. So we have a four-year-old mm-hmm. little boy named AO mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, Boston Terrier, who is like the most insane dog in the world. Yeah. So yeah, it's a both, fun life. It's both a fun of, life we have. Both of our both of our dependents have uh, hearing challenges, which mm-hmm. uh, is isn't boring. And uh, especially when we kind of pride ourselves on our ability to be able to communicate, and neither one of them. We really... think it was God's joke to us that like we both <laughs> yeah. basically communicate and speak for a living. Yeah, he's and full. Of, he's full of humor lately. Our, it's been a real blast. our it's dog been a was born completely deaf, uh, and our son is like quite hard of hearing. And so it's just mm. kind of funny, like just a sense of humor. Yeah. God has a sense of humor. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's awesome. And, um, yeah, like I've been following you guys for a little bit now, like for a year ish, pretty much during the pandemic, which was a bad time to start following you guys. Cause that's when you guys started to take breaks from things. I was like, Oh shoot, I just got into you and you're not doing, uh, a lot of public stuff lately. Um, but, uh, I, I think that it's such a cool, cool thing that I personally just haven't experienced a lot in my life. And it's cool to see you guys as like a couple, um, just like serving Jesus together in whatever capacity that means and like caring for one another. And even like, um, like even the fact you guys shared an office for so long, it's just kind of funny where it's like for some people that would drive them nuts, but for you guys, it's been, it's, it's been awesome. And I know that my fiance wants me to get one of those ugly looking dogs with smushed faces. And I keep saying no, but maybe she'll be even more encouraged. Like, Hey, if they, they have one, you should get one. And I'm like, Oh no, I just don't <laughs> yeah. like the way they look, but yeah, it's I, I fine. Know. You can call her. Like, you, you can call ours ugly because it can't hear. So it's okay. So she's not going to take it to heart. So it's fine. She it, knows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She knows. She feels it. Um, um, so you yeah. guys are coming out of like, like I said, at the beginning kind of a rough season, I would say, uh, I would say it doesn't seem uh, super easy. And it's a season where the issue of women and church leadership and even just like church in general and how people react and behave um, has been really real and something that you are actually yeah. dealing with both uh, really personally. And so I guess I just wanted to ask you right off the top, since this is something that you guys are currently experiencing, like what um, during this season of facing those kinds of challenges when it comes to women in the church or even just how church people react and behave, um, what surprised you about this season in, I think maybe both a positive way, maybe, but then also like what surprises you negatively where it's like, wow, like I didn't think this was still the thing that we were mm-hmm. dealing with. I think the thing for me, because like having been like in full-time church ministry for like 13 years at that point, I, I kind of knew that there were people who had different opinions. You hear it all. Like as a female pastor, you literally hear all of the spectrum of opinions that people think. So I knew that theologically people had different perspectives that maybe, um, they had a hard time with the way that maybe I would lead or the positions that I would find myself in or the kind of people that I would speak to sometimes. But I think the thing that surprised me the most was the way that they chose to express their beliefs and their opinions, because I think we can hold a lot of different 
like theological opinions and different ideas about things. But when, when you start being a jerk about the way that you're sharing those things, there are very real people on the other side of it. And I think that's what was the most surprising for me is that we kind of knew that we could come up against something, but the way that people chose to express it in that they they were like mean, I think that was probably for me what it was anyway. Yeah. I, I guess, um, because as we mentioned at the beginning, we've, we've been doing this together for so long and I, I don't, I don't ever remember even, though I grew up in church and, and I grew up, you know, in these, in these circles, I, I don't even, I don't even really remember the debate. And I, I at least mm-hmm. never, never being up for question in the home that I, that I grew up in. And so I, you know, because of the last number of years doing things together and always sharing the load or, or you carrying, you know, three quarters of it and me doing my, you know, bid or vice versa or whatever. I, I, I guess after all these years, I just kind of, I kind of thought it was, it was done, you know, like, I mean, like it's, I just, I, I, I'm sometimes just left a little bit in, in, in disbelief that this is, this is like maybe still a because conver- it's, still a conversation. Because it's such a part of your day-to-day reality. I think it's easy for us to forget yeah. that like, oh yeah, there's a lot of people who hate what we do. And yeah. I think you just forget <laughs> That sometimes when you're just like in the midst of it and you're, you're just trying to keep going and you're trying to like keep the focus on ministry, you just, you forget. Mm, right. And so I think it is just surprising when it like hits you in the face and you can't ignore it anymore. Yeah. And it's just, uh, for me, yeah. Yeah. That's probably a big piece of it is like to, to live it and and to, you know, to have been able to enjoy like the, you know, the fruit of it, like the things that we've seen and, you know, Kim leaning into her gift things and, and, you know, vice versa, you know, me being, you know, doing my and being myself uh, and just watching how we just felt so humbled as God just continued to seemingly smile on those things as we were, mm-hmm. you know, intentionally trying just to be us and to be mindful to who it was that he'd created us to be and, you know, encouraging and, and, and you know, and calling that out of one another and then making room additionally for each other to do that. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, yeah, I think it's just, you kind of oh, wait, like how, how can you not see this? How do you not? Mm-hmm. And it just reminds us in some ways, just, um, you know, there's, there's so many different reasons I think for the, for the root of that in, in the lives of some of those people, like perhaps you've, you know, like you already mentioned. Uh, um, but I think that was for sure. One of the surprisingly, uh, to start off with one surprisingly negative things, um, mm-hmm that uh that's taken place over this over this last season yeah and that that makes sense and it's funny to hear your perspective clark because i come from a background where i grew up in a house where my mom was very much like not this uh this whole woman can't lead or do whatever is silliness but the church that i was in growing up was on the other side where they were like oh no like it's clear as day um, and, and so it's, it's interesting to hear your perspective where it's like, what, like, how is this still? And it's like, oh man, I have, I've been for most of my life surrounded by this issue. And it wasn't until recently that for me, things kind of flipped and changed. And so, yeah, that's super interesting to hear. Um, and so as you're both, you both kind of named that, that, that it was surprising, um, that people still held this opinion, but even just like the way it's expressed is very <laughs> surprising. Um, and so I just wanted to ask you both, like, why do you think it is that so many Christians or followers of Jesus today still seem to doubt women's ability um, and their calling 
to be leaders? Why is it still something that so many Christians today like still are like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I think there's two things that come to mind for me right away. Number one is I think in, for some people, unfortunately, they've been, you know, um, they, they've missed out on, on the example of it. They haven't had a chance to see it. They haven't been exposed to it. They haven't had the privilege mm-hmm. of sitting under it. Uh, they haven't had a, had the opportunity to really, to, to, to see it for themselves. And so it, it just seems, it seems like just this far off sort of, you know, distant sort of thing. And it's again, because of a lack of perhaps exposure. I think the other thing too, in, in some of the conversations, um, cause I have, I have close friends that are in ministry that are kind of right on the fence. And, uh, and I have a lot of respect for those people because it seems like everything perhaps is written in pencil and they're, they're just open to learning and growing. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I, I really, you know, have the utmost respect for people like that, which it sounds like, you know, like you would be yourself. Um, and I think that, uh, in, in many ways, uh, for these people that hold so just so staunchly, you know, well, so arrogantly, you know, on, onto this, you know, stance or viewpoint or position, um, in some ways it's because there's somebody that plays some significant role or has, you know, been some person of profile in their life that has said, no, absolutely not. Here's the reasons why. And and essentially made someone feel ashamed for even entertaining that maybe, you know, it could possibly be seen or done another way. And I think unfortunately, uh, you know, not recognizing just that authority that we have sometimes in those positions as leaders, um, we, we set people up to struggle with these things longer term than, uh, than perhaps mm-hmm. uh, they, they need to or should. But yeah. I, I think that the main reason why is because of the Bible. Like, mm-hmm. uh, because I think anyone, anyone who says that when they read scripture, that they don't have questions about mm-hmm. the role of women or God's view of women after reading some things, especially Paul's writing in the New Testament. Like, yeah. I think you're lying if you just read that at face value and you're not like, huh, what did he really mean there? Like, I really, st- in my first couple years of ministry, I had came up against really hard uh, people saying like, you can't be doing this because you're a woman. You can't be leading men. Uh, you know, you have to come under your husband's authority and the church, everything. And so I was like, okay, I need to figure out what these scriptures really mean. And so that's when mm-hmm. I like dove deep into it because at face value, I was like, okay, so what does it mean then? you know, for me to come under this authority or what does it mean for me to be silent or what does it mean, you know, when, when there's only examples of men that are given and all these things. And I had to like really work through that. And so I don't, I think, I think that's what it is. I think most people are reading scripture at face value. And -hmm. when you read it and it says something, you're like, well, that must be what it means. But the problem I think is, I think the disservice that we do ourselves is that we're not reading the Bible from cover to cover and getting the whole picture of God's whole redemptive story. And when we read the whole Bible from cover to cover, and we really understand what he created the world to look like, how sin royally screwed everything up and how we've been working like for so like centuries and millions and millions, lots of years. Uh, we've been working <laughs> to try, I, I don't know. I don't want to get into that. Anyway, for a very long time, <laughs> humans have just been like royally messing things up. And then Jesus came to restore and redeem things. But we understand that when he came to do that, that there's, we still live in a world that's ravaged mm-hmm. by sin. And so I, I just feel like we need to read this story from cover to cover. And when we just pull out different scriptures and when we try and use things to just, we, 
And this is with things even outside this topic, when we try and use individual scriptures or individual things to try and justify a belief system, rather than looking at the whole picture, I think that's where we do ourselves a disservice, but Mm. that's hard to do. And that requires a lot of effort and study and knowledge and context and all those things that can be really challenging Mm -hmm. for people. So I think, I think it's just hard, hard time. Yeah. And, and I want to push into that a little bit, because I know that there's going to be some, somebody listening who hears you say, um, we're just reading the Bible at face value. We need to do more than that. That makes them like, they're like, oh my gosh, this is exactly the problem with it is that you're not reading the Bible at face value. And if you guys just read the Bible at face value, then we wouldn't have these issues. You guys are trying to like take something and twist it and make it be what it's not. And, and, um, I know that that's going to be someone's response. And this is like an off question that I didn't have planned, but I I just want to ask you guys, like, what, what would you say to someone who's feeling that? Cause that's something that definitely that I, I know there will be people who listen to this and hear that. And that like triggers them where it's like, Oh no, like, that's exactly what I'm scared of. That's, that's, this is why you guys are where you are is because you're not just reading it at face value. So what do you mean? What do you mean by that? And what would you say to someone who's, who's thinking that? I can, for, I can, I can remember uh, some of those earlier on moments of people, you know, essentially, you know, cornering Kim and saying, Hey, you know, we really appreciate that you think you can, or you feel that you should, but you can't. And here's the reasons why. And mm-hmm. I, and I can remember those moments of like, you know, being, uh, not just like when we were in Bible college, but then even again, like newly married and Kim, like digging into these, you know, familiar portions of scripture. And, uh, and I can remember conversations where Kim saying, I have to take, I have to take my feelings out of it. And I have to take the emotions out. I have to take, I'm not looking at this to try to justify what I think is right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because we can do that so easily, right? Like we can, yeah. we can, as Kim alluded to, we can grab different things and if we can, you know, if we want to, whether it's to prove a, a point, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, those of us that are, you know, parents that could prove a point with our, with our, our children, or if we want to, you know, win an argument with a, you know, with a, with our boss or, you know, you know, this for a spouse. Um, but I, I think, you know, when we, when we really talk about taking scripture at face value, there's uh there's probably a little bit more to it than, than. I think that some might, might realize, and it's the actual, you know, the, the intentional contextualization of it, like recognizing, mm-hmm. okay, like when was this said, who was it said to? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's things. what I mean by that is like, it's easy for us to just read these words and be like, oh, well, that's what it says. That's what it means. But when you have words that were written more than 2000 years ago, you've got to look at the context of like, okay, well, why? Okay. When, when Paul was saying this to Timothy, what was the context that Timothy was in? What was he facing at that time? What was, um, what was it that was going on maybe in the church at that time? Like when, when I say you can't take it at face value, it's like, if you just read those words and like, well, this is what it says without going, okay, but let's dig a little bit deeper because maybe Paul didn't know when he was writing that, that there would be people 2000 years down the road arguing about this. And had he known that maybe he would have said things a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think we have to just like do a little bit of dig a little bit deeper and be like, what, what did this really mean? And how does this fit into the whole story of God? Like if we're going to pick and choose what we want to listen to without looking at the whole God's whole redemptive story, we're, we're just going to miss out on something. So anyway, not that this, this, I feel like could turn into, um, us trying to like argue a point of something that we believe, um, mm-hmm. which is not the intent at all. But I think that that is where things go wrong for people is yeah. that 
um, scripture is complicated and it's hard sometimes to know how to interpret, how to put things in context, what to take out, um, you know, just as like a cultural thing and what is God actually speaking the law of the way things mm. should be like, it's, it's hard to navigate through that. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that's such a key thing i'm the bible project has free online courses that you can take with them now and so this morning i was going through they tim Mackey has one with ephesians that he's going through and at the beginning he gave this example of the the one i watched today where he was like it's so he's like this is so important when you read the bible because he's, he's like for a long time people have been like let's just read the words and we'll take them at face value and the problem is that there's a whole context surrounding the words and and, and exactly. he used this example where he was like um if there is a sentence that you read and it says that, oh, we're going to go in there and we're going to take them out. He's like, that can mean very different things. If it's like a sport, like if you know that that's a coach saying that you're like, oh, they're going to go into the arena yes. and they're going to go take out the their opposing team. If it's uh, contractors, you're like, oh, they're going to go into the house and take out like maybe some studs that are wrong or something. And then yeah. if, or if it's like dudes dressed in suits uh, with Italian accents, you're like, oh, it's the mafia. They're going to go in there. They're going to take them. And so like the context around it completely changes that sentence and what that can mean. So he, he's like, we do this everywhere. And with the Bible, we've kind of shied away from it because it makes us nervous, but we need to, mm -hmm. to lean into that. And so I think for you guys, that would be, that seems like what you guys are saying. It's like, when it comes to this issue, for those who are hesitating, it's like, we're not saying throw out the Bible. So no. saying let's let's lean into it and see like what what it meant and and the thing is that this is like a huge topic so like this is a very real i got into a debate with someone recently about this topic which was fun and and they said something which is right they're like if you change this one thing it changes so many other things and it's like yeah you're you're right it does um and I know that you've experienced this from the other side where it's like yeah people having a view of women can't lead God hasn't called them to lead. He hasn't called them to teach or preach um, that that changes a lot of things, especially in, mm -hmm. in church dynamics. Um, and so I wanted to ask you guys, like, what have you, what have you personally seen um, when it comes to this issue and how it's played out that um, is unhealthy? Um, I would say <laughs> probably abusive behavior. Um uh, and, 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 and things that are just like wrong, but what are some of the things that you've actually seen, um, with this kind of thinking, like, what are some of the unhealthy things you've actually seen happen in church and with church leaders? What I've like from our experience and just even I've, you know, seen or heard or, you know, conversed with others around and through, um, man, it's, I, I just, I don't, I, I wish that people had a, had a, had any measure of inkling as to just how, how damaging, how debilitating, how, like, mm -hmm. just how demoralizing their, their words, their actions, their, when it came to stuff like this, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, in our, in our context, you know, of, of, of leading together, um, I've been a part of, you know, meetings and conversations where, you know, essentially, you know, Kim, you know, wasn't welcome in the room just mm -hmm. simply because of her gender. Um, I've, you know, in different points in, in our, in our time of ministry together, I've been the the bridge and the go between, uh, you know, trying to, you know, communicate and, and act or as people wouldn't speak directly to me yeah. about things. They'd be like, Oh, Clark, 
here's what we're going to do, even though it directly impacted my job or my role. Yeah. Right? And, and, yeah. and then, and then to have people that would, you know, even different things where, you know, they would subtly hint at, you know, certain ways that they would prefer things to be. And, you know, all Clark, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, we, we, we like, we like when Kim speaks, but we, we really think you should be, you know, speaking more, or we really think, you know, uh, just some of this, some of these different things, um, you know, we'd run into different scenarios where if I would remove myself or, or taken, you know, stepped aside for a season, uh, in, in the moment when I was in the room, there was, you know, togetherness and, and some measure of, you know, uh, allegiance and, and unity behind a decision to, you know, stand mm-hmm. behind Kim and, you know, thrust her into, you know, positions of, you know, leadership and power and everything else. And then the moment that I was removed from it, uh, tone change, posture change, hearts seem to shift. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's so frightening. And, and I feel like for me, for the last for the last number of years, specifically, I guess, you know, just looking at the last year or so in our, in our lives, uh, there's been this, this anxious sort of feeling inside of me. Like, is, is this, is this going to be the blow that finally mm-hmm. does it? Like, is this, is this going to be the one thing that's said, the one email that's sent or the one, uh, passive aggressive comment that's made or the one backhanded compliment that's, that's finally going to lay you know, this called anointed, gifted, empowered, you know, leader, uh, on the canvas to the point she can't get back up again. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, heaven help us. Cause we're going to be held accountable for this stuff. You yeah. know, like you just briefly mentioned Ephesians and, you know, I, how it all concludes and the armor and stuff like that. And I, I just always, um, Kim had, you know, crafted this beautiful series that we walked through together as a church when we first started at the, at the last place where we were pastoring together. And, uh, it was incredible series on the importance of each piece. And, and, and she's highlighted and I've highlighted many times since, uh, because I take, I steal a lot of her notes. Um, uh, (laughs) there's no, there's, there's no armor. There's no armor to cover the back. Like there was, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, we've got breastplates and we've got, you know, sword and we got the uh, helmets and, you know, all this other stuff and boots, but th- there's nothing, th- there's nothing that's there to, to cover your back. I think Paul felt like he didn't need to include a back plate in the mm-hmm. armor because it's your people who are supposed to be behind you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the thing. I think that's part of my frustration with this whole topic is that, man, there is an enemy out there who there is an enemy out there who we are in opposition against. And so many of us treat other church people like they're the enemies. Like we treat other people who, oh, they don't believe what I believe. Oh, she's a woman preacher. She's the enemy. And it's like, no, we're all together trying to move the kingdom of God forward. And there is an enemy who's trying to oppose us, but we shouldn't be worried about what's coming behind us, about who's going to take us out behind us in the church. We should be moving forward together on the same team, trying to, trying to move forward as the same army instead of fighting each other. And I think Mm. that's the difficulty that can sometimes happen with topics like this and other topics um, that we fight about in church is that it gets us so focused on fighting each other that the enemy just gets to literally lounge back in his lazy boy, just laughing, being like, my job's so easy. I don't even have to do anything. The Christians are killing each other. It's so great. Um, But even just as Clark was talking, I was thinking like, I remember being a teenager 
and saying to God, God, if there's any way that you could use me, like I, I would be willing. Like if, I, I don't know if you've called me to be a pastor. I don't know if you're calling me to ministry. I used to like go to conferences and camps and all these things where they talk about this call on your God. And I, I was like, I don't know what that looks like for me, but if you could use me, God, I would be willing. And I feel like any person, whether you are a man or a woman, whether you are black or light skinned, whether you are poor or from the wealthiest family in the world, you come to God with your hands open and say, God, whatever is in me, like whatever I have in me, if you could use that for your kingdom and for your glory, I'd be willing. I think God mm -hmm. takes that person and is like, well, I can use that. And I think he is far less concerned about what gender I am than what my mm -hmm. heart is towards him. And so I remember coming to him as a teenager and just saying like, God, if you could use me, I'd be willing. And I never really like pictured myself preaching at different events and doing different things. I always, I, I've always been like a leader my whole life. And I've always mm -hmm. felt called to lead. And I think that God just took those gifts in me, those like natural leadership gifts that I was using outside the church as I was like growing up on student council and being involved in things and said like, well, I can use the heart that you have to serve me and the gifts and the leadership abilities that I put in you. Like, mm -hmm. let's, let's mm -hmm. use those now to move my kingdom forward, which I just yeah. think is like, I think that's what he wants to do with every single person, whether you're a leader, whether you have gifts of generosity, whether you're a hospitable person, he just wants every single one of us to hold our hands open and say, God, if you could use me, I'd be willing. And I happen to have gifts of leadership, but somebody else who has gifts of generosity, it's like, he's going to mm. use that. So I just feel like that's been my posture and my goal my whole life. And there have been people who have tried to like push that down and kind of, you know, feel like it's their mission to try and sideline me because something about it makes them feel uncomfortable. But I'm like, don't we need as much help as we can get right now to move the kingdom of God forward? Like if I'm mm. willing, yeah. let's just do it. Let's do it together. And even though there might be things we don't totally have figured out, like if we're advancing the kingdom of God and partnering with him in the restoration of all things, let's just do it and stop being mean to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, sometimes I, again, like I just, I kind of stand back in a little bit of disbelief and just a little bit of shock in the whole thing. And, and, um, you know, like you're talking about these gifts of leadership and some of these sorts of things, like, I, I, there, I, I feel like, and don't get me wrong. Like, I, I know that there's, there's still challenges and, and, and different hurdles that, uh, that women face, you know, outside of, outside of the church, you mm -hmm. know, and as far as equality and, in, in, in whether it's in pay or, you know, I understand that, but I, I'm just, um, I just feel like, you know, sometimes we, we look within, within, you know, leader church, local, like church leadership. And we, it just seems like the mountain is almost, you know, um, it seems like it's at a significant, you know, more difficult slope or degree. And, um, I, I, I don't understand, I don't understand the reasons why. And even in that, even in saying that, like I, 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 I'm check myself because I think sometimes we just say the church, the church, the church, the church. I actually don't think it really is the church. Like, I don't actually think it is. I think even in our context, uh, you know, uh, with the church that we were just, you know, leading in and pastoring, I, it, there's, there's no way it was anywhere even remotely near a majority of people that would have had an issue or a problem. No, yeah, it's not a majority. So, so it's, sure. it's actually, so we, we always, it's the church. It's the church. It's actually not the church. It's just a handful of people that are, mm. that are, that are stuck and that are used to seeing things perhaps done a certain way. And you very kindly said, you know, maybe it just, you know, it, it bothers them for some reason. What it usually is, is it's, it's, it's usually, you know, not always, but often it's, it's, you know, 
comes from from a male's perspective and mm-hmm. uh it's 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 you know it's mm-hmm. it, 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 not always not I, always yeah i was i would disagree <laughs> not, that's with why that I say, that's why because... i say not always but often often we run into and it's and it's an insecurity of some sorts that i feel like is yes has, for has, like has maybe for male leaders mm-hmm. that's the case but i feel like it's come from females oh, for as, sure. just as yeah. much as it's come from males for me where there's other women who are like kim the way you're acting is not godly i'm like you just okay yeah. like yeah. <laughs> well what what do you want me to, what do you want me to do then yeah um but that's come from women as much as it's come from men totally. but there definitely have been like insecure male leaders who it makes them uncomfortable for sure that's been part of it yeah yeah anyway yeah and that's um yeah there's so much there uh, yeah i i've seen it myself even um a few years ago when i first heard about you before i really knew who you were you came and spoke at where i was at college and my college has a bunch of different perspectives but it was even funny then where when you like came to speak at this conference for youth um that we hosted where not only did we have you but we also had a christian band who swore in one of their songs so there was that issue that we were dealing with too um but but there was like they got emails of people being like oh no like we can't come now which i was just like what Okay. Um, and even in the college too, we had um, one female prof who was um, really heavily involved in the biblical studies area. And there were some students who were like, I just can't even take a class. And and I remember me and my mentor were sitting there being like, what? Like, I don't even. And so this is like something that happens all the time in, in a ton of different ways. Um, but you're right that it's not just, um, it's not just from the male perspective, which I, I do see a lot of that happening. And I and I've met tons of guys who it's like, oh, okay, uh, you've got a, a issue. Um, you're not secure in who you are as a person. And so you're taking it on other people, but then also from the female perspective where it's like, and I think part of that too is the diving in of, um, it is some of the theologians that, that, that have spoke to this, that they look up to. Um, and, and it's just like speaking back what they've already heard, but then it's also, it's 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 an issue that they feel as well which is just it's so interesting to me to see that i mean we i, I saw something the other day there's this really great article that a friend of mine posted who who carried a you know a complementarian view for a really long time and has since like just dove in studied stuff and said like wait a minute what of course not and, and it you know so he's very you know not just egalitarian but like running the banner as high up the pole as he can yeah um and uh he's a pastor out here in vancouver and he'd post this article and said like listen like if we're if we're really going to just like totally negate women and their voice and their influence and their leadership and their everything like especially around this whole easter season right now right (laughs) like there's this you know this is like a week or so ago i was like like look who was there look who went back look who look who the look who the like look who the message of of christ's resurrection was initially entrusted to Mm-hmm. Like, I think that just adds to the, the scandalous, you know, uh, you know, just, uh, just provocative, you know, nature of this, of this story is that like, so not only did he come and he, you know, is he sticking it to the Pharisees? Not only is he coming and he's, you know, healing people on the Sabbath, not only is he reclining at tables with, you know, sinners and, and, and tax collectors and, you know, these, you know, rotten people, uh, you know, in the eyes of society, but, you know, amidst all, he's defeating death and, and news of that is being entrusted with the ones that mm. in certain contexts will later be told just better for them to be seen and not heard. And it's mm. just, I think it just, it just 
like all of those things, like every piece of that story, I think speaks to, to the redemptive nature of redemptive well, and, nature. And that's of God. the thing. Like, I think there would be a lot of people who hold a complementarian perspective would be like, okay, Clark, you're saying that because women were at the tomb and they saw Jesus first. Like, that's your argument. Like, that's really yeah. what you're going to hinge this on. It's like, yeah. no, that's not the whole argument. But when we say read the Bible from cover to cover, it's oh. like, okay, so, so the women were at the tomb and that happened. And then Paul also says some things that are like, okay, what does that mean? And then there's all these other things that happen. So all we're saying is like, it's not like our whole argument is like, but women were at the tomb. See, that negates everything mm -hmm. else that Paul says, but it's like, okay, well, if Paul said this, but then Jesus acted this way, and here's what I know that the cross came to do and where does this fit in and how, and just like put all those pieces together and do all those things. I think that's just like, it's an important part of the story that we can't forget. Well, and I feel that too, and I've seen it where people want to get into debates with me about it. And um, I think that's the thing that I that I want to encourage them is like, I know that when I held these beliefs and really thought that they were true, that the thing that made me not believe them anymore was reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I kept running into enough instances where this wasn't the case that you have to wrestle with it. Because it's not just a woman at the tomb, which is very significant. Um, it's yeah. not just something that it's like, oh, it's insignificant. It's pretty significant that the first people yeah. to actually preach the good news were women. Um, yeah. But then but then with that, too, you got to deal with Deborah, where there's like, you can't just like, and, and the thing is, it's like, yes, is there way more male males opposed to females in leadership in the Bible? Yeah. But there's still mm -hmm. females in leadership that you need. Like Deborah is the leader of Israel and there's no debate yeah. over mm -hmm. it. Uh, you can read it for yourself. And, and even like the end of Romans, you've got two women there that you really need to wrestle with. There is um, Phoebe who, despite whatever Bible translation you're reading, wants to translate it as go to the Greek. It is undebated that it means yeah. that she's a deacon. There's no, there's no debate there. You can read it for yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's also Junia who's, who's said to be among the apostles. And so it's like, you've, you've got just all these different things that should at the very least make you stop and be like, I totally. gotta just like, think about this. Um, same thing uh, with Priscilla, like yeah, Priscilla always, and Aquila, yeah, like they're story. together, like mm -hmm. leading things together. And in many ways she took a front seat on some of their big conversations they had. So it's like, it's exactly it. Like you have to, you have to read the Bible and not just read some things that like, well, oh, but this is what it says. It's like, okay, but what about this? And what about this? And how do all those things fit together? And then mm -hmm. draw a full conclusion based on what you read. And not everybody's going to get to the same place sure. that I am, but there are still people who have different beliefs about a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just important to not just read things at face by, well, this is what it says in English. This must be what it means for us today. That's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so I want to dive back into what we were talking about just a little bit earlier um, with different things you guys have experienced um, and, and things that I've seen too, where it's like, there is, even if you hold this view, there is stuff that happens that is just wrong from a Christian perspective. Like, even if you think this, there's some things that are so incredibly unloving and harmful and things that are said in such a horrible, unchristlike way that they need to be addressed, and and I know that people see it 
throughout the churches in their day-to-day talks with people. I've seen it even just like inside comments or even like jokes where yeah. it's like, yeah, uh, there's some stuff being said here that's not very um, uplifting. Um, and so what would you guys, what advice would you give to people who are either in church or with their friends and they hear maybe people say some of these things or, or say things that are pretty like, oh, I like that I've, I've heard, I've even heard stories of like, women in leadership being asked like, oh, are you going to get pregnant anytime soon? And stuff like that, where it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. what are you? All the yeah. time, all the where time. It's like, oh, okay. So like, what advice would you give to people who are in their <laughs> churches, who are in their congregations, who hear those things? Like, what should they do when those things happen? Because they know that, and even if it's someone in leadership too, it gets like scary where it's like, ah, oh, do I, but, but like, what, what advice would you give to them for when they have those moments where people are saying stuff like that? I, I read I read something earlier today that's saying like the majority of the workforce right now is uh, are, are, it's made up of millennials, and so I'm I'm hopeful that by having conversations like this and by you know asking you know thoughtful questions such as this one, that hopefully soon enough like we, we kind of laugh there in the midst of the question because yeah that 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 does happen that <laughs> we you were asked way that. worse than being asked <laughs> yeah. and have these. yeah yeah way worse uh, but. Um, just to, to help people recognize and to help people begin to realize that that's not okay. So that now, hopefully with our generation continuing to move into these positions of leadership and, you know, what have you, that we can kind of, that asking such questions and even, even environments that would be conducive to such, you know, just become hopefully at some point here soon enough, um, obsolete. I think that, um. I wish, I wish that I would have said more um, earlier on. I don't think that I knew how to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I, re- again, maybe uh, not to justify, but maybe in part because I just, I, I didn't think that it was an issue. I was so, so oblivious. And it wasn't impacting encamp- you personally. Yeah, so it's easy thing. to not see yeah. the depth of the mm-hmm. impact. And yeah. I think for you, you probably thought, well, I'm not doing that. Like I'm elevating Kim. I'm giving her an opportunity to lead. I don't feel insecure about that. Mm-hmm. And that felt like maybe enough for you mm-hmm. where I think looking back at what, at least um, correct me if I'm wrong, this is what you've shared with me in the past is that looking back on it now, you wish you had have like spoken up yeah. and said things. So what would you say to other, like if there's others who hear that, who hear like things being said to women or are in an environment where they experience that, you what do correct, you think they you should You got to correct it because in those scenarios when it's just, if it's just a joke or if it's just like a, you know, a clever little thing or it, it, it needs to, it needs to be, it needs to be addressed and it, and it, mm-hmm. and it needs to be corrected. And, and I mean, depending on depth of relationship and all those things, whether it happens publicly, you know, amongst the whole group or it's off to the side, but that, that stuff just can't go, that stuff just can't go unaddressed. Like it, it, because mm-hmm. it, allowing that to go unaddressed, you know, um, it, it just perpetuates it and it continues. And, and we need people that would, uh, that would, that would call those things out and, and, and have the conversations because, um, Chances are they feel comfortable enough for whatever reason to say something so audacious to you or in your presence might just mean that there's enough relationship or trust with you for you to be able to lean in and correct them. And, mm-hmm. and, and it needs to be done because um, chances are that there's 
there's a there's a spousal relationship that could be in jeopardy you know it's for like you know if if that those thoughts are allowed to continue and you know or i just think of generations to come and and you know all these other things so it, it, it the the cost the cost of not saying anything is is too great and so something something needs to be said in those yeah moments. and i would say to like to anybody out there who maybe has a different perspective of of women in ministry that I would personally hold. Like, I think this is an, I think this goes without saying, but I've learned that maybe you just have to say it sometimes, but mm-hmm. just be kind about it. Like if your perspective <laughs> is that you don't believe that women should be in certain areas of leadership, that's cool, man. Like, or woman, like if that's your perspective and that is really what you believe, like that's fine. You're, you are mm-hmm. allowed to have your own beliefs and your opinions, but don't, don't be mean about it. Like it is not your job it is not your job to try and tear that woman down so that she will never lead again or she will never speak mm-hmm. again. Like that isn't your responsibility. Like if you, if your heart really is right, then trust that God will do that at some point and that that justice will all come to pass if that's what needs to happen. It's not mm-hmm. your responsibility to try and tear her down so much so that she doesn't have the confidence to step up and lead or that she's too brokenhearted or that she's too wounded to ever be able to do it again. Because I think for some people, they're like, well, if we could just let her know that what she's doing isn't okay, then she'll never be in this space again. And it it works, honestly, because mm-hmm. there are so myself and other women that I know get to the point where you feel so beat up that you're like, what's the point? Why would I even do this anymore? And then you end up stepping out of the ring because you just can't take the blows anymore. So if this is your perspective, it is not your job to try and take out women. Um, so just try and be kind, but if you see it happening, if you're someone who like really wants to support women and help to kind of elevate them and see them in leadership positions, um, then it does, I think, require more than just sitting back and doing your part or saying, yeah, no, I believe this. And as long as I believe this and it's okay, like sometimes it's the same conversation. Like when people have been talking about racism a little bit more over this last year, I feel like um, we've heard a little bit more about it and you hear people say like, it's not enough to just like not be racist. You need to be anti-racist. And what does that look like to step in and speak up for people and do the work and carry certain behaviors? I would say in, in the area of like sexism in the church, it's the same kind of thing. It's not enough to just be like, well, I'm not sexist, but it's like, you literally like somebody makes a joke and says like, we, there's somebody that we know who was like bragging to us about like, yeah, there was a woman that I worked with once at a church. And I took a book about women not being in ministry. And I put it down on her desk and it's like, okay, that's not funny. Like, and letting people know that like, you know what, that I know you think you made a joke there, but that wasn't a funny joke. Or if somebody says something, because not everybody's going to be going, like I literally in the last few months have had people tell me that like the way I carry myself as a wife and a woman is repulsive. Like most people are not going to say things like that. Like most people are not that mean, but for others, it's just like subtle things. And I think it's going to require all of us to just stand up and say like men and women are all valued parts Mm -hmm. of the body of Christ. And who am I? Who am I to judge whether someone can or can't do something for God? Like, I don't want to be the one that's held. I don't want to stand before God someday and God to look at me and say, whatever that's going to look like for him to look at me and say, like, Kim, did you, you decided that you didn't think that that person was worthy enough to do my work? Like you decided that. And so you felt like you needed to do your part to take them out. Like, I don't want to have that on my shoulders. And so I'm here to do my part, to take care of myself. And I think that's what we we should all do rather than just trying to be just people just stop being mean. Yeah. Stop yeah. being mean. Well, and, 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 and actions, 
and actions do speak volumes in scenarios such as this. And so, um, friends of mine who I know carry this, you know, a uh, similar perspective that as, as we would, where they would be, you know, at egalitarian in, in, in mindset where it's like, Hey, like, no, I, I, I'm all for, um, you know, having women just, just because you have a woman speak on mother's day doesn't, that's probably not enough. Yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong. That's, that's wonderful. And we want to mm-hmm. celebrate moms and all these, it's great. Uh, you know, but that's, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a little bit more effort, I think, mm-hmm. because I, I really also believe, and not just from like a, an evangelism perspective, right? But there's there's a generation that's coming that's asking questions that very quickly is stepping into, you know, whether it's a, a group or a, you know a Sunday gathering or whatever event, and and they're looking at it and they're saying, well, all I've heard from is is old white men for the last hour and a half, like mm-hmm. you know what, <laughs> you know, and people are watching these things and saying, well, this doesn't seem very cohesive. This doesn't seem very collaborative. This doesn't, this seems very kind of exclusive. And so if you do carry that perspective where like, no, I really, Hey, the spirit was poured out on all flesh. That's what's needed. And that's, what's required. Uh, you know, that exists in me. It exists in her. It exists in us. Uh, seek out the gifts inside those people. And if, and if there are women inside of, you know, your area that you're leading within or within your church that have gifts of leadership that have then then recognize shepherd those things you know call those things out nurture those things encourage those things release those things and uh i think that that's that's going to be uh as at, probably as important as speaking up in the little side conversations no and that's huge and i think that that's something that can get missed in all this too is like a what and it's even challenging for me is like, what areas of your life and the way that you are as a Christian, how are you creating space to not only be someone who's not sexist and saying horrible things, but being someone who actually uplifts people and gives them the chance and ability to use their gifts. And, and that's the thing too, is like, at the end of the day, like, why would we not want people in the church to use their spiritual gifts to serve Christ? It's going to be only good, no matter what side you're on, is that if someone has a gift, let's figure out how how they can use it and, and, and how we can empower them to do those things. Um, and, and, and so I, I, I kind of just want to move as we conclude, I got like two more questions for you, unless something pops up and maybe we'll just keep going, but uh, I have planned two more questions. Um, I, I, I want to ask you guys this, cause I've, I've noticed this with you and even how you speak at the beginning um, where it's like, you guys share an office and you guys work together. And of course you're a couple. So it's like, it's every day, a day in paradise no um but but you guys as as a couple for me is is inspiring especially coming from a complementarian background it was like preached at me and my fiance for so long that like you need to be a jesus centered couple and you need to and so what that means is that i need to lead and you need to like come under my leadership and there's all this like weird stuff of how that works and to see you guys be like, yeah, we are a Jesus-centered couple. And what that means is that we're centered on Jesus together and we're doing this thing together. And yeah. I would say you guys are like a really good, healthy example of someone that I look to and be like, wow, like that's a relationship that I, I would want. Um, and so what did, <laughs> <laughs> and so I just want to ask you guys, like, what advice would you give to to couples who are trying to serve Jesus together and, and, and even just like, they just want to follow Jesus together. Like, like what advice would you have for them when it comes to, to these areas, even just like life in general? Cause I know that 
personally, from my perspective, the complementarians have had like 90% of the voice on what it means to be married or in a relationship and serving Jesus yeah. together. And so I just want to hear from you guys, like, like, what does it mean to serve Jesus well together? And, and, and how can, what advice would you give to the couples who are married or dating or for me engaged? Um, like how, what are some ways that we can, I don't know, serve Jesus well and be mm-hmm. Christ-centered? Yeah. In, in no. I love that question because you're right. I think there are so many, I, I feel like especially evangelical Christianity has put this idea across that um, the man is the head, that he's the authority in the home and that, you know, the woman has her role. And I feel like that's what like a healthy complementarian would say is yeah. that like, oh no, like women should use their gifts, but they just mm-hmm. need to use them in a certain way. And they're just certain places they can't use those gifts. Like that's what a healthy complementarian uh, yeah. would say. But <laughs> so many of us have heard that where it's like the man is the head of the house and the woman needs to come after and submit and um, that he is the spiritual authority and all of those things. But for Clark and I, what we, we really believe is that when Jesus came, that so much of what had been messed up by sin, Jesus came and was like, okay, I'm going to offer you a new way. All of you equally have access now to my presence. You all mm. equally have access to my spirit. You all equally, like when the spirit's poured out, there's gifts for everybody. Like all of you have the have access to my spirit. So it's like we, every single one of us, me, and Clark both have that same access. And so my responsibility is to serve God with my whole heart, to submit myself to him. Clark's responsibility to serve God with his whole heart and submit himself to him. But in marriage, at least what the Bible describes marriage as, is that two people become one. And that means that we're taking two healthy, Jesus-loving, God submitted people and we're joining ourselves together as one. And what we have found in our relationship is that when one of us is, you know, maybe more spiritually healthy than the other, that creates tension in our relationship, whether it's Mm. me or whether that's Clark, or when Mm. one of us is like, you know, more in tune to maybe where the spirit's leading us or however you want to describe that, um, then that creates friction in our relationship. Like it's, it's not about one of us having authority and the other submitting to it. It's about both of us submitting to authority under God, giving our hearts wholeheartedly to him, giving our hearts wholeheartedly to each other and leading together hand in hand, not in a hierarchy, but side by side saying, okay, God, you've knit us together as one, not as one, like, for people who can't, I'm trying to describe right now with my hands what I'm saying. And, <laughs> but it's not like a hierarchy of one above the other. It's literally like side by side next to each other moving forward. And mm-hmm. that's the way that we've lived our whole lives as a married couple. Our, our whole ministry life is rather than it be a hierarchy in our marriage and in our relationship, we've said like, no, Jesus is the head and together we're united and we are moving forward together and whatever that means. And I think that that is for any healthy relationship. I think that's what's required. And so people are like, yeah, but who's like, when it all comes down to it, who makes the final decision though? Like, does Clark call the shot at the end? Like he has the final authority though. And it's like, no, like in our relationship, we don't move forward on anything until we're on the same page. Like, and I feel like that's a healthy relationship where it's not like, no, Kim, I've decided like we're moving and that's what's happening and we can't come to an agreement. And so 
Like that's what's happening. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work like that in our relationship because we don't make a decision, especially big decisions until we are 100% on the same page. Because in marriage, when two become one, we are now coming together as two whole people in Christ mm-hmm. coming together to make decisions together. And when we're both submitted to him, when we're both trying to, you know, hear from God, when we're both trying to do our best to live our faith out, then we can be unified in that and make those decisions together. And it doesn't require somebody playing a trump card of like, Hey, I'm the one, I'm the one who's got the authority here. So I'm going to make this decision. That's not required in our relationship because our goal Mm. is to be in unison. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to understand that, um, that whole hallmark idea of, of, um, (laughs) that whole hallmark (laughs) idea of, of, of two people, uh, you know, completing one another has, it, it, it really doesn't, it really doesn't align with, with the heart that I believe that Jesus has so mm-hmm. clearly, you know, for us when it comes to, when it comes to that marriage relationship, I understand, I, I can, under, I can totally understand the sentiment of, you know, oh, you complete me and, oh, and, and, you know, and it's, you know, and we had the, you know, the hearts that were in and they fit together and, you, you know, yeah. all that other stuff. But I just feel as though like the picture, like you've already explained is like, no, we're individually two whole people in Christ, you mm-hmm. know, that have, that have taken the time that have, you know, been intentional, you know, in, you know, the whole, you know, season and of, you know, the dating relationship and everything else, but you know, that we're, we're coming together as two whole people, you know, whose, whose foundation, whose identity, whose worth, whose, whose everything has been solely established in him and, and not, not in, not in one another. And, uh, and so it's in that oneness that we keep trying to make decisions moving forward. People will, you know, you'll, the, the phrasing of, 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 submission and mutual submission and you know all these pieces and wives submit to your husbands and you know husbands love your lives like christ love it we get but all in all that language is this is this beautiful duality of like it's not about me i'm making mm-hmm. it about the other and and i can remember those conversations early on in marriage and i can remember those conversations even in the last you know couple of years is in seasons you know recently where myself because of anxiety and because of, you know, different things that I've been working through when it comes to, you know, uh, my mental health and then all the seasons of leadership that we've been navigating together, having those conversations again, where I've watched, not a lot of people have seen it. It hasn't necessarily been on a podcast, hasn't been necessarily, you know, slid into anybody's stories or uh, anything like that. But I've watched is over the last season of our lives and our marriage, like my wife has you know, made, made moments about me, you know, and, and about my wellness and about my betterment and about my health. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's what this, that's what this all kind of looks like moving forward. This is not a, oh, you know, you're the, oh, but that's the neck that turns the head and all it just, all those, all those, you know, all those thoughts and all the, though I, I understand the hearts, you know, perhaps that sometimes those things are, are, are said with all those things speak towards tension and they speak towards some sort of power struggle. Yeah. A, 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 a mm. struggle, which yeah. I don't, I don't really think marriage is intended to be. I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the picture of it. And so for us, as we move forward, um, 
it's, it's, it's together and we do the best that we can to be, be in sync. Uh, and, uh, and it's not one of those like, Oh, well the woman, these women just want to be in charge and they want their, yeah. they want a Lord over there. It's like, that's not that, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. Maybe there are other women who feel that way, but for me, that's not the case. I'm like, no, I don't want to be in charge. And I don't want him to be in charge. I want us to mm. both lead our lives and our relationship and our home and our family together on the same page so there isn't that like friction or that tension or that power struggle, and the total right? transparency like any moment where i felt in my heart or where i've kind of felt like oh okay kim stop like you know you're, you're trying to pull me along i i probably could tell you that like my connection in in, in those moments when i've kind of felt those way when those thoughts have kind of you know been entertained in in, in my mind i probably haven't been in a place of of health personally or or at a depth that i'd like to be in in my own relationship with so jesus glad you're finally admitting this yeah this is big for me it's good to get this out there. <laughs> no, but, it, but, it, but it's true right like yeah. you were saying earlier like i think we're both we're in these different places yeah. and, and we're in mm-hmm. you know and and the recognition of that and and then having those conversations together is really important and it just lends towards hmm. it just it just it just strengthens the oneness i think that again yeah. this is all supposed to be found in so yeah i hope that makes sense yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I think it's super helpful. Um, even I can just speak for my uh, my life personally is with my fiance. When we first started dating, we were both complementarian. And like in the middle, it started to get shaken up by mentors and different things I was reading and reading scripture. And it was like, oh, and this was hard where it was like, I don't know what our relationship is supposed to be because all my life I've been told that a Christ-centered relationship is what I need to strive for. And what that means is I'm leading and I take the responsibility for whatever. And, mm-hmm. and it was a healthier view in the sense that it wasn't like, I make all the decisions. It was like, but I, I take all the weight for every decision that ever gets made, which is like, oh my gosh. Oh, that's so like, hard. That's it's so, so much unhealthy. on you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because no. it's not good. Um, I just started freaking out. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the thing was, as it's shifted, I didn't know what, that meant and, and 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 as i've kind of worked this out and we've both worked this out together it it's it, yeah it's exactly what you guys are talking about and it's so much healthier oh my goodness where it's mm-hmm. like the worst part of our relationship was when we both held this view and it's so much where it's like we aren't in a hierarchy of, of who's taking responsibility for it it's like we work together we yeah. we make decisions together um and i have to learn what it means to not put myself first um and to love my fiance, like, like Christ loved the church and, and to do what Jesus says, where he's like, whoever wants to be the greatest among you needs to be the servant of everyone. And so yeah. a Christ in relationship is me serving my fiance and in the same way she serving me. Um, but I'm not going to sit around and point fingers and be like, you need to be serving me. Why aren't you serving me more? It's like, I'm too busy working on me that I, yeah, I need to just, right. I, I get it wrong so much. And I think that that's, yeah, it's so good. It's, it's, it's the, and, and those thoughts do creep in because we're human of like, oh no, like I want to do this. I want to watch a movie tonight. I don't really want to go for a walk down by the river. I I'm tired, but it's like, how do I serve in that way? No, that's so helpful. It totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That's uh, as, the, as the head of this relationship, I am not going for a walk. You are, you, can, you are welcome to go. You are walking out from underneath my authority. You go for your own walk. Yes, I'm staying you go for your own watching walk. a movie. <laughs> but it just sounds ridiculous but you know but unfortunately like we were i mean it just again it not to reiterate it but it just it, it i i just feel when we just even look at like 
we look at God, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We look at this togetherness, we this unity. Mm-hmm. We look at this, you know, and throughout Scripture, there's just we just see we we see strength and we see effectiveness that comes from a measure of togetherness. And I I, I just think that when when we can do that. Uh, and again, even Kim and I in this season of in between where we're not exactly sure, uh, where or what's next for us, we're just, you know, relearning that in a lot of ways and say, okay, hey, here's who you are. Here's what you are better at than I think anybody that I know. And here's mm. how I want to come alongside and help to make that happen. And so let's do that and you, and let's do that. And, and it's just, it's, it just seems, it seems so, it just seems so as he, as he designed it, as he drew it up. Yeah, that's so good. Um, so last question, because you guys have been way more than generous with your time and I'm super thankful for it, but oh. I, I want to give you a chance to leave. Um, I know that there are people who don't agree with us on this subject who are complementarian. For Oh, also for those of you who like aren't into the whole like weird theological Christianese talk, complementarian is someone who thinks that like men and women complement each other. And um, they like, it's, it's the idea that usually that women are called to be like mothers and those kinds of things. And men are called to like lead in the church and whatever and lead in the household. So that's what it is. Egalitarian means you're like equal. Everybody's equal. And so for those of you yeah. who are listening who don't know what those weird words are, because why would you ever know what those are? Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's what they mean. to clarify. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I know that there are people listening who are complementarian and even people who like in recent weeks I've debated with who listen to this podcast, uh, we've had personal debates on this. Um, and if they haven't already shut it off, uh, they're still here. And so I wanted to, to ask you guys, what, um, what advice or what would you want to say to someone who still finds themselves? And the thing too, is like, I'd, I I've been there where I, cause, cause I think it's easy that when you switch sides to like paint everyone in like a bad brush where it's like, Oh, sure. you bad mean people. But it's like, when I was there and, and the people I know who are there, like they sincerely, most of the time, like sincerely just want to follow God and are trying to do their best um, with what they're seeing in scripture. And they read things like first Timothy chapter two or first Corinthians 14. And they just like, ah, oh, I just don't know what to do with these trouble passages that seem to, to be saying this. And, and, and so what, what would you guys want to say to someone who still finds themselves landing there? They, they don't know what to do with it. They're reading scripture and they're still like, I still think this is what it says. I haven't been swayed yet. Um, what would you guys want to say to someone who's, who's in that place right now? I would just say like, come before God and just open up your heart to him. Like the, yeah. what, what else can you do except come before God and say, okay, God, I'm wrestling. I'm struggling. This is my life. Here's what I have, have to give you. Um, but my heart is open. If there's something you want to change in me, change it. If there's something you want to transform in me, transform it. If there's something I need to repent of, like, help me to see what that is. And so I think that's what I would say to any person, because honestly, like there's nothing, there's nothing that I could say. And we haven't even got into all the arguments and all the, whatever we've like barely scratched the surface of it. Um, but there's nothing that myself or you or Clark could say to anybody today, that's going to change their mind. If your heart is closed off. Mm. And, and so I'm not saying open up your heart so that we can change your mind. That's like, don't hear what I'm not saying. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, but I think that if every single one of us on any 
number of issues, just came before God with humility and says, I don't have it all figured out. I still, I know that there's still things that I have a lot to learn on. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's things that I mess up on all the time and just come before God and say like, God, if there's anything that you can teach me, if there's anything you want me to know, if there's anything that you want to reveal to my heart, I'm open to that. And you, you might find yourself 20 years down the road still with an open heart and not feeling like you've moved the needle on this at all. And you're still in the Mm -hmm. same place and that's okay, but live that out for yourself. Don't feel like you need to go and tear down every person who you feel like is living unbiblically. Like I think on some of these, what maybe some theologians would consider gray issues where it doesn't feel Mm. really black and white and there are very differing opinions. I think just be careful that you're not going and tearing down people who possibly could actually be doing good for the kingdom, whether you see it or whether you believe it or not. Um, Just maybe stick to your own lane, focus on your relationship with God, let him speak to your heart and just don't make it your mandate to try and take those people out. I think that's what I would say and read and read Mm. good stuff. I think there's Mm. like, there's good and there's bad egalitarian <laughs> and complementarian stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And find who some of those like good, um, some of those good authors are because it, yeah, I, I feel like that's important to read, read the Bible first. Um, but sometimes mm-hmm. the Bible's complicated and we need help making sense of it all. And so find some like good, deep, solid teaching on both sides. I think that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I would just take Kim's advice. And, <laughs> yeah, I'd call her. If you really think that you've got this figured out, I dare you to call Kim Moran and have a conversation <laughs> with her. Slide into her DMs. I dare you. It's not. She hits different. Um, no, I. Um, I think my com- I think my question would simply be, why? Like, I just yeah. help me. Un- help me. Help me understand why. Um, if, if you're, okay, I look at this verse and I I see what was written here and I see this. And, and, and so this is how I understand that. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I I say, okay, tell me why, like, help me understand why, why do you see it like that? How, how, you know, and why, well, this is just what I feel. Why, who, who was it that's helped you to lead you this far in in the conversation? Uh, Help, help me understand as somebody that's still learning you know, that might, might view this differently. Help me understand why you view it the the way that you view it. And then in addition to that, and to kind of touch on, I think what Kim has mentioned as well would be for those people that are in leadership, um, you know, there's, there's a beautiful, uh, there's a beautiful mandate that we're, that we're all carrying and that's to come alongside, you know, you know, God in the, in the ministry of reconciliation, but that's, mm as is mentioned, you know, the church in Corinth, like this is the idea is that we're, we're coming alongside and, and to help in the redemption of all things, you know, to, to, you know, to be a part of, of, of that, that redemptive process. And so I would just encourage, I, I know I have friends that love to dabble in, in, in debate and love to, you know, these issues, let's talk about this and let's, you know, talk about this one right now. Let's just make sure that like, the majority, I'd hope the majority of our time is going towards 
conversations and leaning in towards things that are helping this whole ministry of reconciliation that we're, you know, supposed to be aiding in to come about. And so for those who are in positions, you know, are in these fortunate positions of leadership, uh, Mm -hmm. just be mindful in sharing your perspectives um, that perhaps maybe they're still being formed or maybe you just feel that they you're right. And I, I would just really encourage you just like we are even very careful, you know, in the places and spaces that we, we share some of these things um, because we don't perhaps want to uh, offend or to hurt or, or to demoralize or to diminish something that the Holy Spirit's doing in the life of, of someone else, perhaps somebody that's presently under your leadership, who happens to be a female who is feeling this stirring right now by the Holy Spirit that by virtue of you in the office you're in could perhaps, if not careful, uh, you know, over overthrow. And uh, so I, I just ask why, and then I just ask mm. you to be very careful. Mm. So that'd be it. Yeah. I think those are both so good um, and, and super helpful. And I, yeah, I just want to thank you both for doing this. Cause I know that like, this is not, the funnest of topics even for me i know that like doing this is like yeah i'm i know that i'm going to get messages of at least friends wanting to discuss it more and and it's like so i know that it's like this isn't always the funnest or easiest thing to do but i want to thank you guys for like your openness and for willing to do this and honestly personally for me for like being willing to be vulnerable and and honest about um your guys's walks and and how you've wrestled with this and how you're wrestling with all kinds of things so seriously thank you guys so much for doing this this has been awesome oh thanks for having us honestly it's always such an honor to be able to chat with you and so anytime yeah thank you (laughs) 